Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, here with my brother, Michael. Say what up to the lovely folk. What up, Jay? Glad to be back. As you can tell, Tim is not here today. Tim, two years after roughly COVID pandemic hit America, Tim finally came down with COVID. He's feeling all right, but uh, not yet up to recording duties. Yeah, I mean, he went to a wedding last weekend and hopefully the bride and groom are OK. <laughs> um, Tim's doing all right, but we're just going to have to truck along without him. Um, but we have a very good episode coming for you guys today and gals. Uh, sneak peek into something Michael's doing. Michael's writing a article slash guide type thing um, explaining how to succeed in best ball. Because Michael played, you you tell him, how many underdog lineups did you have last year and how many advanced and what was the average and all that good stuff? Yeah, so I, the the article slash best ball guy, I'm not really sure. I'm just, currently I have like 14 pages of just like info and such that I want to put into a form that makes sense that I have to sort through and more info to come. But it's going to, it's definitely going to be, a lot of best ball information. Um, I started playing best ball a couple of years ago. My first year, I was kind of just like drafting players similar to like redraft. Didn't have too much success. I was right around average. Um, excuse me. That was three years ago. Two years ago. Average or first year is also good. Yeah, but, you know, we're we're fantasy guys. Two years ago, I learned more about best ball. I got better. I was above average. And then this past year, my third year playing best ball, where I really... uh dove into it looking at trends and roster construction and things of that sort i finished with a 37.5 percent advance rate in the puppy three the puppy is a uh underdog best ball tournament where you draft in a league of 12 and if you end in the top two you move on um into the playoffs and the playoffs is Over a tournament. A third of your teams are top two correct um impressive so the average rate if you just statistics just look at the statistics. Two out of 12, 16.7% is the average. If you had two of 12 teams advance, you're right around average. Um, anything under that, you were below average last year. Anything above that, you were above average. I went 12 for 32, which is a 37.5% advance rate, which is more than double the average. Like Jason said, 12 of 32 teams I had finished in the top two in the uh, in the standings. Um <clears throat> So, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to be doing. That's what I've been working on recently and is going to come soon. And that's why today we're going to be best ball focused. I'm going to be giving snippets, you know, from what I've been working on. Um, but we're also going to be reviewing a best ball mania draft I did, which is a twenty five dollar underdog draft um, where first place in the regular season gets a million bucks and first place in the overall prize um, in the championship round also gets a million bucks. Yeah, so that's what we're doing today. Um, we can't give away all the sauce. This is a preview sauce. So we're going to preview it by going through one of Michael's lineups that uh, he put a decent amount of money on, the $25 one. So instead of the $5 tournament. Yeah, I've done 11 puppy drafts so far. This was my first best ball mania, which is the puppies are $5 entry. Um, I like to just run through those because, you know, it's less uh, less of a monetary expense and I just love to draft. And uh, after last year's success, I want to just keep drafting. Um, but the best ball mania, I decided, let me at least get 
my feet wet and dive into the uh the $25 pool to maybe uh take home one million dollars. And now at this point, um look, this this pot is about Michael's strategy, so I'm gonna let him talk, I'm gonna let him flex. But I don't think he realized that my goal was to just, you know, put a little seasoning, a little bit of emerald bam on the top of what we're gonna do today and then talk about the app and you know, do the intro. But uh, he got a little carried away. It's okay. We're not too far into the pond. A little overzealous, as Walt Clyde Frazier would say. Knicks fans out there, shout out to y'all. Styling and profiling. So before we move forward, let me tell you all about the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. The best darn app there is in Fantasy Football land. Be your own expert with the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. We have everything. We have player cards with every stat you need and the combine info. We have statistics pages. We have start, sit, and draft tools to help you decide who to draft and who to start, sit. We have player comps for the young guys. We have exclusive statistics that we created that have proven to work. We don't put anything out unless we've tested it and tried and trued it. And that's not even a word, but you know what I'm saying. So everything we have on that app, it, we keep adding to it. Every day we're working on it. Uh, it. We continue to update it. So if you have the app downloaded and you haven't updated it recently, Go to your app store and uh, download the upgrade. We're always trying to make it faster, sleeker. And as always, you can always, um, if you have any suggestions or recommendations about the app, shoot us an email, ffapp um, at brotofantasy.com. That's the email, ff by Brodo app. ff by Brodo app at brotofantasy.com. Send us an email. We're all ears. Uh, we always like to get feedback. Uh, but please download the app. Oh, and also... We are able to keep this app running. See, Tim does this better than me. I think he has a rundown that he did not provide me with. Uh, I'm just doing it off memory because we've done this for so long. Uh, Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy is what keeps the world spinning for Broto. Uh, the Fantasy Football Broto app is free because of the lovely people over at Patreon.com. You can get a lot of perks. Uh, monthly payment starts at only $3. You can get a 15% discount if you pay it all up front for the year. Uh, we have a great discord, great community. You can play in leagues with us. We're almost getting to that time. Uh, so please uh, support us at patreon.com slash fantasy. And with all that, probably the latest intro we've had on a pod in a while. Let's get it started. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So before we dive into best ball mania, let's go through the news or lack thereof today, because the biggest news today has to do with retirements. I'll start with the less exciting one. Niners center Alex Mack retires after 13 years. Been one of the best centers in the league for a while now. Seven Pro Bowls to his name. I remember Alex Mack because I used to play a Madden franchise mode. And I feel like Alex Mack, for whatever reason, was someone I always ended up signing in free agency. I have no idea why. I just remember being a mad good center in Madden franchise mode. And I was like, let me just get mad good players. And I always ended up with Alex Mack on my team. Uh, besides that, he had a very good career. Uh, it has happened. He is no longer playing. Mr. Frank Gore signed a one-year deal with the 49ers, the number three all-time rusher. Shout out to Frank Gore. Retiring on a one-day contract after a 16-year career. Michael. No-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer. 
But is Franco ever going to be in the discussion of best running backs of all time? You think he's a no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer? He's a number three all-time rusher. See, is what I'm saying. He's a number three all-time rusher, but he's never going to be. You're never going to hear his name when you think best running backs ever. Frank Gore is, like, legitimately the number one poster child of quantity over quality. The quality is also there, but he was never a, like, he never had a single season elite Hall of Fame type season. But he probably has had a Hall of Fame elite type career because, I mean, in the NFL, longevity is basically a skill as well, especially for the running back position. A 16-year career is absolutely absurd for a running back. Now, on other retirement today, would you believe me, Michael, if I told you that Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the league longer than Frank Gore? Wow. No, I would not have believed that. Right? I can't believe my eyes, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is retiring after 17 seasons. Frank Gore retiring after 16. So somehow, some way, Fitzmagic outdid himself again. Look, man, we're Jets fans at heart. We just we love Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic. That season he had with the Jets with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker just absolutely balling out, going absolutely insane um, for the Jets, leading them to the playoffs was one of the more fun seasons in our lifetime as Jets fans, because, you know, the being a Jet fan has not been tremendous of late, even though I have some high hopes this year. Um, so shout out Fitzmagic. I don't know anybody in like the world who isn't a fan of Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we have uh, that um, injury news. And then we have a, a little bit of other news across the NFL. I'll just get a we'll run through this quickly. Um, if any of this means to you, because it's all coach speak and player speak at this point, it's June 2nd, but a few random things. Um, before I get to that, quick rest in peace to Marion Barber III, the former Cowboys bruising running back. He was a stud uh, for a few years back in the day. Uh, too young to go. So rest in peace, Marion Barber. Just want to shout that out there because I saw him on the news and I think he deserves it. Uh, but real quick, just touch on this. Uh, Travis Etienne said that if he could be like DB, Debo Samuel, he would love to be like that. Uh, that isn't that what they said about LaVisca Chenault last year? These types of news. This is literally the most June news I've ever heard in my life. I do not care if Travis Etienne wants to possibly be like Debo Samuel. That literally means absolutely. That's why nothing. I said we're going to run through this quickly. Next, Michael Carter said that there's enough for all of us to eat with him and Brees Hall. Do you see Michael Carter being a flex worthy play this year? No, unless Brees Hall gets injured. Uh, John Lynch said I'd be a fool to trade Debo Samuel. Talks of really talk. Trade talks have really died down since the NFL draft. Do you believe him? That I don't believe. John Lynch is not someone who's been uh, the most honest man. And Debo Samuel, I mean, I feel like he should be on the trade table for the Niners because why not? If someone is going to give you like two first round picks for a wide receiver, you got to you got to do that. And here is the last one. Lamar Jackson. There's some uh, contract disputes talk going on around these parts if you are the rain the the rangers i'm in baseball mode apparently if you are the ravens are you committing your future to lamar jackson i would yeah i mean i'm if it is so difficult to find a quarterback in today's nfl lamar jackson has led them to the playoffs he has shown that he he's a capable passer on top of being an elite 
rusher at the QB position. I know it's like they have to build an offense around him and it's he's not the best passer in the world. But I mean, we're Jets fans. Like we've struggled with the QB position for like 15 years at this point. If someone said, here's Lamar Jackson, but you're going to have to get rid of him because, you know, you want to try to get someone better. I'd be like, no, thank you. I'd rather just keep Lamar Jackson. It's a solid point. Craig Groman also said that he wants to try to add new things to the offense. Which... Especially because, like, I don't say that lightly because, like, we've always talked about Derek Carr as a purgatory QB. Me and Jason are very much of the, if you have a QB who isn't good enough to win you a Super Bowl, get him out of there and just start from scratch. I think Lamar Jackson, if all goes well, um, he has a shot to win a Super Bowl. He's gone to the playoffs several times already. I don't think he's someone who can't win a Super Bowl in his career. I, I feel inclined to believe that the Ravens are going to agree with you there. Um, but that's it for the news. News. 8 p.m. Eastern Time, New York Central. Catch us tomorrow. Uh, I don't know what that was. It's now time for the main show, the best ball mania. So before we start with your draft, tell us right now when you're doing your best ball drafts, because you've already mentioned that you've done a few. Um, also, I should note, I can't believe I didn't do this earlier. This is we're talking about underdog here. Um, the puppy, the best ball mania. And you can use code Brodo. If you download underdog to get a match up to $100 of your first deposit, or you can go to the app and just click on the link right from the homepage and you'll get a match up to $100 of your first deposit. So if you hear this and you want to play and you want to use Michael strategies, throw us a bone. We'd appreciate it. Uh, those funds also help us um, keep the lights on around at Brodo. And we definitely do we'll be straightforward. We get funds if we refer people. So uh, we'd appreciate that if you haven't played underdog yet and you want to give it a try. Um, on that note, though, when you're doing these drafts, Michael, right now, this might change as we get closer to the year. You enter the draft and you wait to see what pick you're going to get. What pick are you hoping for right now? So, like I said, I've done 11 puppy drafts and one uh, best ball mania draft. I've gotten 10 or later in nine of them. I got the one pick twice and the four pick in this best ball mania draft. You think they know you did well last year? <laughs> last year, I dominated in the back half picks. So I'm not one to complain about my draft pick. I think you get what you get. And I like getting multiple draft picks as well because you get to uh, diversify, as the stock people would say, diversify your portfolio and mix up your teams and get more, uh, you know, more variation among your teams so that like if someone does get injured or if someone does bust, you have a better shot of uh, another team. Um making up for it yeah i mean last year if you had a lot of first round first overall pick teams christian mccaffrey fucked you so that is good um but you didn't answer the question so just real quick just pick a pick a slot right now if you had to choose one right now i'm kind of liking the like eight spot the eight spot or like the four spot i like this team account with justin jefferson First, I, I was gonna say, let me guess. You like taking two wide receivers to start your draft. Very Michael of you. Maybe. Um, but I guess we'll get to that soon. So this draft that you're doing, the best ball mania draft, you had pick four. So a pretty early spot here. So pick four. There are running back options available for sure. 
possibly CMC, probably not JT, but possibly Eckler, Cook, Mixon if someone's going crazy. Like, there are running back options for sure here. I hinted that you like picking a wide receiver in round one. Um, so tell us who you went with, if it's who you wanted when you saw pick four, and why you made this pick. Yeah, um, so my... My top three wide receivers are Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. Uh, pretty easily, um, those three. The fourth pick, I said, great, I'm getting Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, whichever one falls. Um, this will be my first share of both because, like I said, I've had the one pick twice, and I've had the uh, and I've had the tenth pick or later nine times. And with the one pick, you are taking Jonathan Taylor. I took Jonathan Taylor. Um, I don't love taking Jonathan Taylor there. But I also want some Jonathan Taylor exposure just in case he has another huge season or pops off even more than he did last season. That's that's another thing about best ball. You can't just make all your picks based on who you feel is going to be the best. You have to take into consideration the talent, the situation as well, um, and think to yourself, maybe I'm wrong about this. One of the big mistakes I made two years ago was completely fading Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. I realized that I did that. Obviously, that was a very bad move. And I learned that, you know, it's not a bad idea to draft these guys, even if you don't love them every once in a while, um, to see if it uh, to pans out that year. Because it's not like it, it it's not going to destroy your team, even if they don't pan out. There's some players that I just don't draft at all, but those are different situations. It's not just fading a completely entire team like I did the Buffalo Bills two years ago. Like last season, I didn't draft LaVisca Chenault at all. Um, that's because it was a single situation where I thought the hype made no sense and it was a bad offense. And obviously that ended up working out. Um, but there typically I'm not trying to fade an entire offense anymore unless uh, I just really think the value isn't there um, when it comes to their ADPs. But back to the draft, I ended up taking Justin Jefferson at the 104. I think another uh, sneak peek into what's to come. I'm going to talk about this year's underdog draft as well on the ADPs. I think there is an absolutely ridiculously large drop off after the wide receiver 12. And it'd be nice if you could get two of those players on your team. If you're, I I'm just not a fan at all of the builds with two running backs to start because wide receivers really fall off after that. In my opinion, I know a lot of people like the later round wide receivers, but dude, the top 12 receivers, Cooper cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, CD Lamb, AJ Brown, Mike Evans, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, T. Higgins, Keenan Allen. Who do you think is after that? Is it Michael Pittman? It's Michael Pittman, Jalen Waddle, Mike Williams. Yeah, and, and like it's just a lot of people who a lot of young guys who people expect to take giant jumps. And the thing is, predicting giant jumps is a good thing. Putting all your marbles in a giant jump in round two or three is a whole different thing. Exactly. And like like if you if you're taking Tyreek Hill around pick 12 to 15 and then Jalen Waddle in round three, why is Tua going off the board outside the top like 15 quarterbacks? If he's producing two top 15 wide receivers, Mike Kosicki's also there. Like they brought in Chase Edmonds. You got to think Tua is going to pop off. Like it's not the worst idea to do a draft with Tyreek Hill. Um, Jalen Waddle and Tua as like a stack, but again, that's just I don't see the value there at all. I like Terry Kills at ADP every now and then. I drafted him a couple times, 
But Jalen Waddle, I'm yet to take a shot on because I just don't think he'll be worth the ADP. You also got to look at the ceiling of a player. What what is what's the likelihood that Jalen Waddle finishes in the top 12 receivers? Because that's the way you profit when you draft Jalen Waddle at wide receiver 13 to 15. He needs to finish as a top 12 asset or he needs to be good enough and then pop off the last several weeks of the season. Do I see that in their own possibility for Jalen Waddle at this moment? I do not. There's no way I'm taking a guy. Waddle was very good last year's rookie season. There's no way I'm taking a guy with two as his quarterback and Tyreek Hill on the same team as a wide receiver 14, especially when it was volume based last season. And now they just yeah. brought in Tyreek Hill, who's a target hog. Yeah, we're in agreement there. But what it sounds like you're saying to me is that you are not going to have Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, name it, Derrick Henry, that group of running backs. You are not going to have them, Najee Harris, on your teams this year. Uh, no, no, no. I, I will 1,000% have Austin Eckler on my teams. I will 1,000% have Dalvin Cook on my teams. I have a Derrick Henry as well. Um. Those are like the 11-12 picks. Once Cup, Jefferson, Chase, and uh, Diggs are gone, at the 11-12 turn, I've been taking uh, like a Devontae Adams, um, Dalvin Cook mix. I'll take Austin Eckler as well if I get like a 7 or 8. I haven't gotten one of those yet. He hasn't been there late enough for me to draft him yet. I have one Derrick Henry who fell to like 9 one time, I believe. Um, But otherwise, I uh, I like Dalvin Cook. And Devontae Adams there at the turn. I actually have a very high um, percentage of teams with Devontae Adams, like I said, because I keep getting 10th through 12th pick. And Devontae Adams already has the rapport with Derek Carr. You cannot get a safer first round pick than Devontae Adams. And I don't I don't really see why Devontae Adams. Um, I can't see a situation where he isn't a star again this year. All right. I'm glad you said that, because to me, I see Dalvin Cook at 10, 11. And I'm like, booyah. Yeah, yeah, I've been drafting um, Dalvin Cook there a ton. I even one time I took Devontae Adams at 10 and then Cook fell to 15 and I was like, glorious. So I got that's fantastic. Diggs and Cook. Yeah. Uh, So you drafted back to the draft. You took Justin Jefferson with a four pick. Um, So when you looked at the board, were you hoping to double up on the top 12 wide receivers like you just said? Or were you thinking of maybe taking a Leonard Fournette or a Javante Williams Um, on the way back? So one of the. One of the main keys of success for me, like I said last season, was drafting wide receivers early and often and um, really going with the seesaw running back approach that we discussed on Proto a lot where you get one stud running back um, and then a second running back later on, maybe round five, round six, or maybe even round nine, round ten. Um, you really got to – depends on how the uh, draft falls. I do not draft – based on who I like. I don't draft based on, well, of course, that's that's a silly thing to say. Of course, I draft based on who I like. I draft players I prefer more, but I draft players based on ADP as well. I know people, the people who tell you draft based on your gut, forget about ADP. I guarantee you they're bad at fantasy football because that's how you take advantage is you draft based around ADP and you draft people that you feel can hit later on, later on, closer to their ADP, and you get players who you think are too too high, you skip over them. If you think they're falling too far, you get them at a value. Like you got to keep track of ADP because drafting at ADP, finding values at ADP is the actual name of the game. So drafting players just based on your gut is the absolute wrong way to do it. And without calling out specific names, um, 
you need to remember that Michael is an employee of the fantasy football uh, playoff championship, FFPC, high stakes, uh, season long leagues. So he 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 knows a lot of information and there are a lot of people who act like they're going to finish football and aren't a lot of the, and a lot of those people stress the get your guys and ignore ADP argument, which just it makes zero sense. Play the field. If you can get your guy in round eight, why would you reach for them in round six? Get a fucking sixth round pick and the guy you want instead of the guy you want in the sixth and then an eighth round pick. That's a 24 player difference. You're losing out on 24 picks of value because you think you're smarter than the rest of the world. All right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so here uh, in the second round here, I was looking at either Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara or Debo Samuel to fall to me um, or Leonard Fournette. Uh, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara went. So the the option here was for me to because after Leonard Fournette goes, it was Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, James Conner. I was thinking, okay, maybe I will take one of these guys in round three, Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, or Saquon Barkley. James Conner is someone I'm not really drafting at ADP, if I'm being honest. Um, he's one of those guys that I think, like, he was great last year because you drafted him in the ninth, 10th round. That's not someone you really want to draft in the third round this year with his type of injury history and production history. I don't know if he's really going to live up to that billing. Um so I only have like one James Conner share at the moment. But like I said, even if I don't love the player entirely, I'll still draft him every now and then. When I did draft James Conner, it was because he fell about eight picks past ADP. And I said, all right, now's a good time to get that James Conner share that I was uh, looking to get at some point. Um, so it was between Debo or Fournette. So it was either secure a top 12, two top 12 wide receivers, maybe three top 12 wide receivers in the first three rounds, then really start pounding the other positions or grab an RB1 here and get wide receivers later. I I ended up going with Debo Samuel. I ended up going the two wide receivers approach and see if one of the running backs fall. And if not, you know, just uh, go from there and uh, did you make drafting? Did you make that pick on the belief that Debo is going to be a 49er this year? I made that pick based on the belief that wherever Debo goes, he's going to be great because that a type of season that Debo Samuel had last season doesn't happen by accident. He's clearly a very good football player. Um, so I'm I'll take him at ADP at that uh at 2.9 there. Cause I mean, I don't think he's gonna be a bad pick, um, barring injury. Another thing with these drafts, when it comes to injuries and such, injuries happen. Like you can't one of the main things like some I see some people do, it's a very rookie move. If you have a if you draft a running back, um, say Dalvin Cook. Do not draft Alexander Madison, right? Like this is a tournament. If you lose Dalvin Cook, you're not winning to begin with. So stacking him with Alexander Madison is just a wasted position for you because if Dalvin Cook goes down, now you have Alexander Madison. Yes, but what if that Alexander Madison was, say, Rashad Penny, who is going actually at like the same exact ADP, which is crazy to me. If Kenneth Walker gets hurt or if Kenneth Walker doesn't really play much and Rashad Penny is a beast, now you have Dalvin Cook and Rashad Penny. So that's that's the way to do it. Do not uh, stack your own running backs. But yeah, I went with uh, Justin Jefferson and Debo Samuel in the first two rounds uh, to start with two two receivers that I believe are top 10, which is a a start. I'm never really going to complain about when you made that pick. You have two receivers now, as you've made clear, you think that there's a top 12 and then a drop off. So. Were you 
what's the word I'm looking for? What's it? Something at the teeth. What is it? Foaming at the mouth or something with the teeth? What is it? There's something with the teeth. I'm blanking on the teeth. Yeah, foaming at the were mouth. Were you also. were you foaming at the mouth, hoping that one of the back end top twelve, that's kind of an oxymoron, wide receivers fell to you, or did you want to take your RB one in round three? Uh, at this point, I was thinking Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, or um, Saquon Barkley wouldn't be a bad pick here, um, but I I was eyeing T Higgins as well, who I thought had a good shot, or uh, or Keenan Allen um, in this spot as well. I uh, I ended up going Javante Williams, Nick Chubb, and Saquon Barkley all went before my draft. Um, so then it was Kyle Pitts or T. Higgins. I like Kyle Pitts at the back end of round three or early round four. I thought this was a little bit too early for him. Um, for T. Higgins, his ADP um, is 24.9. So the turn, basically, I was at pick 28. This is what I mean, especially in the early rounds, if you could get value. Take the value. Debo Samuel's ADP was 17. I got him at 21. I ended up taking T. Higgins ADP of 24.9 at pick 28. So I started with three top 12 receivers in my eyes and Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, and T. Higgins. And with that, I also thought, okay, now I'm looking for Joe Burrow and or Kirk Cousins. If I can manage to draft both of them, that would be great. If not, um, I need to get one of them because uh, player correlation is also huge in the... Uh, in the tournaments, it's not as big in the regular season because players can have big games. But once you get into the championship rounds, if Justin Jefferson has a big game, that means Kirk Cousins likely had a big game. And if you get double, it's basically you're counting on that big game to for both those players. If they combine for 70 points, that's huge for you. If you didn't have Kirk Cousins and they each scored 35 and you had Derek Carr instead who scored 17, that's a big loss for you, right? So stacking is also very big um and in these tournament types so i was looking at a joe burrow or um or kirk cousins later on as well and another reason i took t higgins here instead of uh like a running back because the other running backs i I thought were it was too early to draft them here ezekiel elliott's adp right now is 41 which is mind-boggling to me. I don't think he's toast. I think he's going to be a top 12 running back this season. He played basically through injury last season. The Cowboys just keep feeding him the ball no matter what. Like, he's going to be highly involved. That's one of the reasons why I like that 10 to 12 range or 8 to 12 range at the moment, because I could start with, like, a Dalvin Cook and, um, <clears throat> say, uh, a wide receiver, Devontae Adams, and then I could get, um a Zeke there and then not have to worry about RBs for a while or I could go Devontae Adams and Debo Samuel or Devontae Adams and CeeDee Lamb or Devontae Adams and Mark Andrews and then get Zeke or Devontae Adams Debo Samuel Zeke and Pitts right like there's so many different variations you could go but Zeke really gives me that flexibility where I feel like I'm basically going seesaw running back here in the third round because running backs have like this third, fourth round. Typically they call us the RB dead zone. Like I like the RBs in the zone because I think people are pushing wide receivers up too high now. Like, how are you taking end quarterbacks? Like how is Ezekiel Elliott getting drafted behind DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Waddle, James Connor. That's crazy to me. It's crazy to me. So I, I was hoping Zeke would fall a little bit past ADP and I'd be able to get him in the fourth round. Otherwise, my backup option there um, would have been Brees Hall, hoping he was able to 
fall there and I could get my first like a, a little bit of a modified seesaw running back approach because typically I take a running back within the first three picks but I've explained to you my thought process in this one I feel like you need to know how to play the field and in past years people have loved running backs and it was great to get late round receivers with the zero running back movement growing and the love for wide receivers growing even in the actual NFL you saw how many receivers got picked in the top 15 this year. They're just people want wide receivers now in the second, the third round. And there's value to be had because the third round this year isn't fucking. What was the guy's name? The third round this year isn't Jeremy Langford when he was supposed to be the lead back for the Bears and he was being pushed into the third round, like or fourth round. It's Ezekiel Elliott. Who you actually know is good. But people think they're smarter than you and that Tony Pollard's going to take over the job. Yeah, all right. Pollard's been on the team for how many years now? Please. So I do think that you're uh, beating the system here. I like this draft so far. So let me ask you, um, big picture, you have three wide receivers now. Are you looking to grab running backs, a tight end? Are you looking to get a quarterback soon? What's your... Even beyond that, what's your structure, your game plan now that you already have three receivers? Will you even grab a fourth for your flex? Uh, so, yeah, also underdog leagues, you start three wide receivers and it's half PPR and the flex, which is another reason, another thing that bumps up uh, <clears throat> wide receivers. So I'm perfectly fine with starting three wide receivers. I like to stack up wide receivers early and often. Like of my first 10 picks, I don't want to give up too much information away because this is going to be in an article um, slash guide. It might be pay to read, FYI. Um, but of the top 10 picks, I was most most successful when six or seven of them were wide receivers. So I like again, like I've been saying, everyone acts like the RB position drops off a cliff. No, you could find RB value late way easier than you could find wide receiver value late. It's way less likely that a late round wide receiver hits and then a late round running back um, in these best ball tournaments. I'd like to add that this is riveting information and worth paying for. Thank you, brother. Um, So yeah. And then the fourth round came around. Zeke, unfortunately did not make it back to me. I was upset about that. Zeke was my target there, but my backup option, Brees Hall made it to me. And uh, this was, this is a bit risky, of course, um, when it comes to Brees Hall, but this was right around his ADP. His ADP is 47. I took him, here at pick 45. The reason I took Brees Hall here is that the RB1 um, over the last five seasons, the rookie RB1s, all have finished within the top 15 running backs. Or I think one of them finishes like RB18. But they've all had successful seasons. I think Brees Hall is a clear RB1. I think he was drafted to a a brand new, um, into a, a great young offense with the, uh, the potential to be great. Um, and in an RB room, in an RB spot with Michael Foreign Company, where he could really shine, his uh, Brodo player comps are Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, and company. Like, Brees Hall, I think, is an absolute certified stud. And to be able to get him here after the first 15 running backs or so as my RB1, I was certainly happy with that because after, b- besides Brees Hall, I was also looking at George Kittle here, you know, getting one of those high-end tight ends. That's another thing. If you get a high-end tight end, you better be drafting only two tight ends. If you draft a high-end tight end and you end up drafting three different tight ends, you need to reconsider 
very, very heavily. That is not a, uh, a winning method. Um, so I was thinking here, maybe I could draft George Kittle because I've, I've my favorite roster construction has two tight ends in it. I'm not going to give away my favorite roster construction just yet. Maybe I'll save that for the article, but I will tell you that it's with two tight ends. Save some info. Yes. So I was able to grab Brees Hall there in the fourth round over guys like DK Metcalf, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Travis Etienne, Gabriel Davis and company. Now, let me ask you in the next round, because I know your draft and I know who you picked. You know why? Because I have the inside scoop and you're right next to me right now. And we're brothers. So when you had Brees Hall here, are you thinking, because you mentioned earlier, you might want to try to stack a quarterback, right? So are you thinking I'm going to try to get, uh, who do you have already? Jefferson. So Kirk Cousins, you'd probably get a little later. Debo, you're not going to get, eh, maybe you'll want to get Trey Lance. T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, you might have to pay up for a little bit. So are you thinking you might pay up for Joe Burrow here? Here, absolutely not. I do not reach um, for quarterbacks, especially. And I look for ADPs. Um, I knew Joe Burrow's ADP was right around when I would be picking in the sixth round. And I said, okay, let me wait for the sixth round to see if I should draft Joe Burrow. And let me tell you this too, guys. People who are drafting against you, look, sometimes you'll get sniped. Like I drafted... uh, I drafted CD Lamb in one of these drafts. I had Michael Gallup and I didn't get Dak Prescott because the person who drafted Dak Prescott drafted him naked without any correlation to running backs or wide receivers like around the head of ADP. Sometimes that happens and it sucks. But sometimes when you're playing, when you're drafting against people who are looking for these correlations, if you are, if you have like a Justin Jefferson, maybe you get an Adam Thielen too or something. If you are stealing these players from people, a quarterback like Kirk Cousins doesn't appeal to them as much anymore because they don't have that correlation. So you could even wait a little bit past ADP if you need to because you know these people are likely not targeting that quarterback. Ah, so the stackers aren't stacking. And when the stackers aren't stacking, swiper isn't swiping and you can swoop in and swipe yourself. Basically it, yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, so with that being said, I did not I put take, it a lot more elegantly than you did. You did. I did not take Joe Burrow here over here. I was looking at um, my options were, like I said, the, the, the top five tight ends went. I don't reach on tight ends after the top five tight ends who are uh, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller and George Kittle. And then the wide receiver options were uh, <clears throat> Brandon Cooks. Like this is what I mean. If you wait for your first wide receiver in round five, it's going to be Gabriel Davis, Brandon Cooks or like Darnell Mooney. Gabriel Davis in round five is the most disgusting thing I ever heard. Yeah, I was highly considering Juju Smith-Schuster here. Um, I'm a big fan of his, and I think he has a chance to bounce back here. But there was one guy who, look, I'm not a huge fan of him. Um, I'm a little scared coming back off the injury and the inefficiency that he showed last season. But the team also showed huge belief in him. And he has an ADP of 41.7. And here at pick 52 even though it's not technically like, this is what I mean. You have to be flexible. It's not technically the seesaw running back strategy that I like the most when the draft falls that way. I grabbed Cam Akers here, 11 picks past ADP. I think Cam Akers in the fifth round could be absolutely tremendous value. Would anyone be surprised if Cam Akers ends as a top 12 running back this season? No, I absolutely would not. If he doesn't play well, I wouldn't be that shocked either. But if he does... And then getting him in the fifth round 
like what makes you think Travis Etienne has a better shot of being better than Cam Akers like on the Jacksonville Jaguars compared to Cam Akers on the Rams who we know is locked into a workhorse role on a team that has the st- most stacked offense in the league and just won the Super Bowl. If Cam Akers didn't come back last year, he'd be a he'd be being drafted in the second round. I honestly believe that. But he came back early, didn't look that great, and now he's being drafted in the fifth round. Like, sometimes you're just overthinking things. He's had a whole offseason to get healthy. If you can get, man... <sighs> Yo, Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, Ezekiel Elliott, Cam Akers. You could have four players who are top five in their position right there just because people are. And look, yeah, there's a chance Zeke and Akers fall off a cliff. But are you going to take that chance? Are you going to take the chance on Jalen Waddle with Tyreek Hill around with uh, Tua throwing the ball? I don't know. Uh, So I feel like you've given away. A lot of a lot of goods so far. So I'm going to try to stop you from giving away more goods because the goods must be left for the goods and the goods are the article slash guide slash work in progress. That is going to be fantastic that I cannot wait to dive into myself when it is released. So with that said, let's just uh, finish off your draft here with a little bit less general best ball talk. Um I see here that you took Joe Burrow in the next round, and then a little later in the draft, you took Kirk Cousins. Talk to me. Yeah. um, Joe Burrow here, like I said, once I drafted uh, T. Higgins in the third round, I thought, you know, it would be a good stack to get him with Joe Burrow. Obviously, I couldn't get Jamar Chase, but now another thought I had was all the the, the top five tight ends are gone. I don't see a huge difference among the rest of the tight ends. Maybe I could get Hayden Hurst late, who is Cincinnati's newest tight end. Um, and have that also paired up with Joe Burrow and um, and T. Higgins. Um, and like like Jason said, in round 10, I ended up also drafting Kirk Cousins. I thought he was a good uh, value there based on who was available. And Kirk Cousins was, uh, was stacked with Justin Jefferson. And talking about stacks, guess who I took in round seven, Jay? I don't know. Adam Thielen. I didn't know. Shh. He had an ADP of 75.9. I was at pick 76. Um, at this point in the draft, I already had Brees Hall and Cam Akers on my team. Like I said, I'm not a big hoarder of running backs, so I was okay with drafting another wide receiver there, and I took Adam Thielen as my wide receiver four. Um, and at that point, I was like, okay, I got to get Kirk Cousins here. And it ended up, like I said, I like to look at the ADPs and where I end up um, lining up and the likelihood I get these players. So I reached a tiny bit for Kirk Cousins. I got him at pick 117 compared to pick 123 um, of ADP. Not ideal, but something I was perfectly okay with with the uh, the stack I was producing there because these are two offenses that I think are uh, very good and could put up big numbers this season. Um, I mean, w- why wouldn't they after what they've done the last couple of years? So you mentioned Hayden Hurst. I'm going to assume Hayden Hurst isn't the only tight end you took. Uh, so what did your tight end room shape up like? Yeah, my tight end room, I ended up waiting really long on tight ends because, like I said, I do not force it, okay? I don't force my drafts. I'm not going to reach for someone like Cole Komet when I think there's someone like Corey Davis, who I took the pick before Cole Komet, who I think is an absolute steal in round 13. Um, I think he's a, like, the Jets paid him. Yes, they have Garrett Wilson. Yes, they have Elijah Moore. But Corey Davis got paid. These are two young wide receivers. And look at why can't like if this 
offense blossoms, why can't Corey Davis be a successful wide receiver three and have some boom weeks? I think his wide receiver like 77 ish ADP right now is absolutely absurd. And uh, so I took Corey Davis um, over like a tight end, like Cole Komet. And I ended up grabbing Hayden Hurst around 15 and then two tight ends. Right when I took, right when I decided to really go and wait for tight ends, I knew I'd have to take three. I'm a big fan of taking only two tight ends, but I knew at this point that wasn't really going to be feasible. I can't risk having zero points on my tight end some weeks, that tight end position. So after I took Hayden Hurst to stack with Joe Burrow, I was looking for Irv Smith earlier, but he got taken before I could get him. I took Austin Hooper in round 16 because, guys, Ryan Tannehill, in case you forgot, he's the true value king. Yes, last season he struggled a bit, but prior to that he had the most uh, the most efficient throw, the most valuable throw in the league. Traylon Burks is there now instead of A.J. Brown. Robert Woods is recovering from injury. And the Titans got Austin Hooper, who has two top 10 tight end finishes in his career as a big weapon for Matt Ryan. Yes, he didn't catch on in Cleveland, but not catching on in Cleveland should be the Browns' middle name. Like, I think Austin Hooper here at his super depressed ADP behind guys like Hayden Hurst, behind guys like Gerald Everett and Logan Thomas, um, same range as like Evan Ingram. I took a shot on Austin Hooper in round 16, and then I also took a tight end in round 17. I waited three of my last four picks to be tight ends. I took a guy who's going outside the top 30 tight ends, a little bit of a sneak peek here for you for someone I like really late in underdog basketball drafts as well. Matt Ryan's new favorite tight end, or new tight end that he's going to need to throw to, he better end up becoming a favorite of his because Matt Ryan, as we know, is a tight end whisperer in his career. I mean, remember, he made, what was that dude's name? Not Levine Toilolo. Not Levine Toilolo. Uh, I'm blanking, but he made, damn it, this dude who really wasn't that great, a tight end one. He made Austin Hooper get the biggest contract basically ever. Jacob Tammy. Jacob Tammy. He made Jacob Tammy have what tight end. Peyton Manning made Jacob Tammy. Even no, not Jacob Tammy. Know. Fuck. <sighs> Damn it. I'm blanking on the name. Anywho. Mo Ali Cox. The tight end room is now open and Mo Ali Cox got paid. Basically tight end one numbers. Yes, he's a little bit older. He's 29, but he was a former basketball player, as everyone likes to say. And he, uh, he uh, he's ginormous, and if he creates a rapport in an offense that desperately needs a, a second wide receiver option, Molly Cox could be good. And I also drafted Alec Pierce earlier in the draft, who also could battle for the second wide receiver option in that Indianapolis offense. Again, a little bit more correlation, even though I didn't have Matt Ryan. One of these guys, Alec Pierce or Molly Cox, if one of them steps up, I'm going to hit on one of those very late round picks which helps me again. And there's the team. So let me run it down um, because <clears throat> you've talked a lot. So let me finish you off. Oh, wow. Okay. Pause. <laughs> as the, as the kids would say, uh, quarterback, Joe Burrow and Kirk cousins running back, Brees Hall, Cam Akers, Kareem Hunt and Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. Epic 124. Kenneth Walker makes no sense to me. But we'll save that for another pod. Nah, bro. No, we're not. Because Rashad Penny <laughs> was the best running back in the league the last five weeks. And now people are letting him fall. Dude, last year around pick 100, 
I was drafting guys like JD McKissick because that was who was available for you. And now they're letting guys like Kareem Hunt and Rashad Penny fall that far. I'm telling you, wide receivers are being pushed up far too high um, this season so far, which is why I was able to get Cam Akers, um, Brees Hall, Kareem Hunt, and Rashad Penny. And I stuck with just only those four because I'm confident that of those four, no buys overlapping. You also got to keep track of buys overlapping. You don't draft two quarterbacks with buys overlapping or two tight ends with buys overlapping. Of those four running backs, I'm pretty damn confident that two of them will be successful every week or successful enough um, where I was able to stack up on other positions and get that third tight end instead. And um, if you heard the f- two quarterbacks and running backs, you were like, oh, yeah, this one's pretty good. You haven't heard the receivers yet with Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, and T. Higgins. Pew, pew, pew. And then to finish it off, Adam Thielen, Sky Moore, John Dotson, Corey Davis, Alec Pierce, Quez Watkins. And then the tight end, as Michael discussed, Hayden Hurst, Austin Hooper, and Mo Alley Cox. And there you have it. That's Michael's best ball mania draft um, on Underdog. Use code Brodo or click on the app home screen with the Underdog logo to use our referral code and sign up for Underdog if you want to play. Yeah, thanks, Jay. And uh, look, it's not look, it's not a perfect draft by any means. Maybe you don't like it. I like it a lot the way it came out. Maybe you can't stand that the tight ends are as low value as they seem, but I think there's a very good chance that Hurst, Hooper, and Allie Cox could at least combine to be a top 10 tight end option. Um, and that's really what you're looking for. Like when it comes to best ball as well, you don't need a top 10 tight end if two players could give you that sort of uh, appeal um, combined. So yeah, this was a team I ended up putting together. And even if you don't like the team, you now get to see my thought process a little bit behind it that goes into every single draft that I do. And like I'm telling you, a lot of my drafts look very, very different from each other because I draft based on draft pick, ADP, roster construction, stacking, um, various other reasons. And then players I like to target later on. Uh, Rashad Penny, for example, ADP 117. I was able to get him at 124. Um, Corey Davis is one of my most rostered um, players. And I discussed him earlier saying, I think his ADP is ludicrous. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that best ball article slash guide. I still have to put it together and figure out exactly. how I want to format it and everything, but it's going to be good. And it's going to be basically what I just talked about all this time in a long form, um, different pages, different ideas, and you could read it and go back to it and such, instead of, you know, listening to this and maybe re-listening to it. Um, second time and re-listening to it a third time um, if you prefer a long form type article but yeah thank you guys for listening and that's the best ball mania team yeah uh, michael said basically what you heard today that's not true there's a lot more information to be had don't cut yourself short kid i said what you heard today and way more just making sure uh thanks for listening um please download the fantasy football by brodo app on all of your app stores it is free f-r-e-e free for free free with no in-app purchases at the moment so get it. Why not? Have some fun. Um, and also, you can support the show at patreon.com slash protofantasy, where you will also hear this podcast before anyone else. Thank you, and we will talk to you next week. Later. Later.